Welcome to the Original Doll Iconography. I'm your host, James Rodriguez. On the Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who create it. And at the same time, we help out charity. For more information, join me on Instagram, the.original.doll. Big shout out to my Patreon supporters, you all rock. If you'd like to join the community, you can do so by going to theoriginaldoll.com. And don't forget, if you're a fan of any of these artists I talk about, let your friends know. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today, we're going to be talking to Tommy Parker, who had a hand in working on a few hits with we Janet Jackson good time. and the Princess of Pop, Britney Spears. So And as with every episode in All Things with the Original Doll, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please report it. We're going to get on to the show. Thank you so much. My name is James Rodriguez. This is Iconography, the Original Doll. I want to, you know, welcome you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me on the original album. For sure. Thank you for having me. This is going to be awesome. We were just, uh, for the listeners, we were just bonding over our backgrounds of music and things like that. Of course, he has the plaques and everything behind him, and I just have the consumer <laughs> end of it <laughs> because of <Aww>. this. <laughs> I love yeah, it. that's why I got my plaque because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So what I, what I want to do, Tommy, is talk a little bit about, we're going to go into your songs and deep dive into that aspect of it, but I want to go back to the beginning. Like, how did music become a part of your life? Oh, okay. Well, um, my, my father, um, he's a musician. And my mother was a musician too. So when I was like six years old, I had to play the saxophone um, with my father. And then from there, um, I went to a music school, um, Afro-American Music Institute when I was like 10 years old. And I started playing the piano and I was in this jazz lab and I was like, I really want to produce. Like, I just... I want to make music. I want to match the music that I'm hearing, you know, and that was my goal. And then um, I just kept doing it, you know, and by the time I was like 16, I started trying to take it seriously. I had a meeting with Def Jam and it just didn't go nowhere. <laughs> but <laughs> so I had to keep on going and keep working hard and stuff. And, you know, eventually I got signed to Underdog. Uh, I think when I was like 18 and then about two, three years later, I got signed to Rodney Jerkin. And then that's what got me here to today. Let me ask you this, a song separate of you. What was that first song that you heard that you were like, oh, I like what they did there. What was that first song that even led you to know what producing and things like that was? What was that song? Um, hmm. Or the oldest one you remember going, oh, this is cool. Because we as casual listeners, consumers, when we're kids, we're not paying attention to that. But you yeah. being an instrumentalist, you're hearing more than what we are. See, when I was five years old, my favorite artist was Nancy Wilson and Anita Baker. And yeah, <laughs> it would tell, nice. I, got, I got very sick. And somehow I got Nancy Wilson to give me an autograph picture. And like that was like everything for me when I was little. So I always listen to that. And, you know, of course, the Jacksons, I listen to them tough, like Michael Jackson and 
I think my mom said she had a thriller party when she was born with me. So I was listening to Thriller in the womb. <laughs> so I think it was like those type of albums. Like I just wanted to recreate the emotion of it and then try to sing like um, some of the great singers and stuff. Like that's, I just, I just wanted to like match what I'm hearing because I feel sometimes I can hear the songs in my ears and I can just like separate it. So I just try to like do it as well as I can in, I don't know. I just I really wanted to match the sound. That's what's awesome because I think that yours came from a, there's some songwriters that are like, I came specifically because I loved poems and lyrical writing. Whereas you were on the, the production end of going like, let me pull this apart. Let me deconstruct yes. this. Yep. And not many people have that mind frame. And I think there's truth in the fact that I've always said that musicians you can teach somebody how to do better at an instrument you can't teach them how to hear right. music yep true true and so somebody like you is like oh there i hear this part hold on let me go to the piano yep. is this a, oh and they added this harmony and things like that yeah. and i think what's great is based on the music that i know that you've had that makes sense in a lot of the production, a lot of the songwriting, a lot of the melodies, all that stuff, because there's simplicity to some of the things you do, but then complexity. Yeah. Where when I listen to stuff, and we're going to go over different ones, is you've been able to pull out something a little bit different in, in the tones and the textures of these artists. And many of these artists, like you said, fans of the Jacksons, yep. you know what I mean? And we're going to we're gonna go jump in the boat with Janet Jackson in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> For you then, what was that like going, so you get signed, working under, you know, Dark Child. Mm -hmm. What were those first meetings like? Who are they with? To be honest with you, it was, um, well, when we first started, uh, we were working on like some Chris Brown stuff and um, nothing stick, but it was Janet Jackson that I got my first placement with, with um, Rodney Jerkins would make me. And that's what really started my career. <laughs> Now, Make Me was released in September of 2009, and because of you Patreon supporters, you all rock and join me on that community, theoriginaldoll.com, I've been able to go through different magazines, radio archives, publications, and more. And I found that Make Me had its U.S. radio debut September 14th, 2009. Then I looked to see what city in the United States has played this song the most, what market? Well, that would be Fort Pierce, Florida. And Make Me was a huge song for Janet Jackson. It would ultimately become Janet's 19th number one hit single on the Billboard's Hot Dance Club songs. By doing that, it would make Janet Jackson the first artist ever to earn number one singles on the chart across four decades. Make Me would be included on Janet Jackson's compilation number ones, or if you're in the international markets, the best. This double album had 33 of Janet's number one songs across the globe and this was 25 years into her contract. So we're gonna get right back to this, but I wanted to point this out because these songs are important. Janet Jackson's last singles from her first compilation hit, Design of a Decade, also had huge success, and in future episodes, I'm gonna be talking about that. Back to the show. It was Janet Jackson that I got my first placement with, with um, Rodney Jerkins would make me, and that's what really started my career. How amazing was that? You know, that was the lead single from her compilations. Did you know that that's what it was going to be on? No, because we were working on an album. So she ended up just putting on a single and then that was it. Because, you know, I was, there was, there was talk that she was going to work on the album uh, with Rodney. And then I remember this was like early June 
because my birthday is like June 6th and Rodney came to the studio. He was like, yeah, you know, Michael wants me to come over to see him um, rehearse. I'm like, where is he rehearsing? He was like, the Staples Center. <clears throat> I got so nervous and I, I thought Rodney was going to take me over there to meet Michael. So all of that stuff happened very fast. Michael ended up passing away and Janet ended up going in the studio two months later. So it was like a, it was a weird moment for me, but it was a great moment because there was his sister and my other biggest idol. So it kind of mended the pain for me at that time. Well, and that was something. So he had passed on my birthday and oh, I remember no. waking up and I was like, I woke up and I'm like, today's going to be a great day. And then like Farrah Fawcett passed yep. and then Michael Jackson. I was oh, like, Jesus, everyone stop what you're doing today. Like, let's just, let's just move forward. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, I did not have a birthday party that, oh. that night. Cause it was, the world was in shock yep. because it was premature. Yep. I'd say for both of them. Yeah. You're working with, with, you know, Jan so this is 2009, you passed in 2009. Because yep. we, we did it, we did it in August. We did the song in August. I'm hopping out because the creation of that song and the release of it happened so quickly. Now, Janet Jackson's career having started in the 80s with her recording contract, we know that many times, especially if there were physical singles, you would have months of planning before a single would be released especially if it was a lead single of an album. With digital, this changed everything. An artist can make a song and release it a lot quicker than having to go through the physical and manufacturing route. And unlike in the 80s and 90s, in order for a song to chart on the Billboard 100, it's no longer required to have a physical single. We talked about that in a episode coming up about State of the World, where Janet Jackson would have had another top five hit if... State of the World in the United States received a commercial physical release. It didn't, so it did chart on a couple of charts in the United States, but not the Billboard 100. Now, times are very different. You can make a song, cut it, release it in a matter of weeks. In a previous episode, we talked with Sandy V, co-producer and co-songwriter of Rihanna and Britney Spears' the remix of S&M, and he talked about how when Britney was brought in for the remix, everything seemed to have happened from the reaching out to her, to the recording, to the release, in a week. Check out that episode. Back to the show. Was there a bunch of beats that Rodney was working on and said, hey, let's figure something out? Like, how did the song get created in the first place? Yeah, there is a couple of songs that we were working on, and that was one of them. I thought we were working on the album the whole time. And then it, she ended up picking a song that she really liked and released it. So I mean, it was just, you know, at that time I was, I was fresh and I was in go mode. So, you know, I was just doing whatever Rodney told me to do. It's just going really, really hard and just trying to get people to like the music. And she did. Well, we connected really well. Did you get to work with her in the studio? Um, yeah, a little. That's uh, well, awesome. Because at, at, at that time it was just Rodney was working tight with her. Um, we were writing in another studio and then we'll send the music to her. And then she'll listen to it. And then if she liked it, she'll cut it with Rodney at that time. So how did that feel knowing? So your first cut is not just a an up and coming or indie art. Like this is Janet Jackson. You know, know what I mean? This is, yeah. how, did, yeah. how did that feel? It's like, were you like pinching yourself? Like, how did that honestly feel knowing that you're not, this is somebody who was a name before you were born. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, bro. I couldn't believe it at all. 
it was just like it was i mean that was a crazy year for me you know it was a crazy year for the world and then like to get in the industry and then fall into a placement with janet jackson i was just like that's and it was a dance song too and she danced and she did a video it, yeah i was i was on cloud nine well and that's something that nine. the listeners shouldn't overlook is the fact that it was used as the lead single for her yeah. compilation with like 33 number one songs yeah. she made a video of it <laughs> it was you know what i mean like it was yeah. and that's your first time out you know what i mean like yeah that was my first yeah did you was there any concern then going where do I go from here? Do you know, like, realistically, was there concern in your mind going, I'm riding high, you're also working on other things at the same time. And sometimes you right. don't get to enjoy that on its own. No, because we were working on um, um, Femin Fatel as well at the same time. Well, so and, that's um, where I was, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was done. <laughs> so she cut, so, so we'll jump to that part of it. So then you're working with Janet, then you're working with a, a track for Britney. So that was yeah. during, that was around her time she was releasing her greatest hits mm -hmm. uh, album with like three. Yep, yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. <laughs> While Janet Jackson was releasing Make Me in September of 2009, Britney Spears was releasing her song, Three, which would ultimately be her third number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 in September of 2009. What's interesting is over the years, being able to talk to so many producers, songwriters, background vocalists, A&R, is how there are many songs that might be recorded during a certain period, but don't make it to the next album. They may be sitting in the back burner for another album. Don't Keep Me Waiting was worked on in 2009, but... Britney Spears' seventh studio album, Femme Fatale, would not be released until the spring of 2011. In addition, there were several people who talked about working with Britney Spears on new music right around the same time that they announced that her singles collection would be released in November of 2009. We also have an interview with Mickey Shiloh, who's one of the songwriters, and she actually has vocals on Don't Keep Me Waiting, and there are certain parts where, as she says, you could hear her on the lead vocals. What we've talked about has been great with Britney Spears is since the beginning, there are so many different vocal textures added to Britney Spears. So early on, you may be able to hear a Britney Spears vocal with Max Martin on it, with Nana Hedden, with Jenny Carr, with so many other people. It's great to see those textures and those different voices. Britney Spears' In The Zone album had so many great songs, and if you listen to songs like Early Morning, you hear Penelope Magnet, part of Red Zone, singing and collaborating vocally on that song. Check it out. But we're going to get right to this, talking about the creation of Don't Keep Me Waiting, which features Travis Barker on drums. And so the funny thing is, so there you are, you are cutting a song with Britney in 2009. That album doesn't come out for two years. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. What was, I mean, was that song going to be on her greatest hits collection? No, I don't think so. I think she was just in album, album mode. And it, it just took a minute for her to, for them to put it all together, I think. Um, but, you know, usually in the studio, you're, you know, we're working on multiple stuff. You know, when there's an artist that comes in, it's like, okay, you focus on this artist. And then when the artist leaves, it's just like you focus on every artist. <laughs> so with Britney though were there other tracks that you were working on simultaneously or was this just a this is the song we're doing all energy yeah there was 
there was other songs we were working on that she didn't pick, but that was the one that she picked of ours. Yeah. And and it's like and mm. it's on the femme fatale. Don't keep me waiting. Which mm-hmm. I actually got a with, couple. With, oh, go ahead. And Travis Barker is playing the drums on that. So yeah. I had a couple people that said, at what point did they think to bring Travis Barker in? Because I think that was a great idea, especially for that rock kind of song. I think it's the genius of Rodney Jerkins. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't, but like I'm floating on cloud nine for you at this point. Cause here you are, Janet, you're working with Brittany, like dealing with and working all the same time. So then it's like many people yeah. takes years and years for them to even get that foot in the door for that. that yeah. One artist. Yeah. When you're creating a song, let's say now was don't keep me waiting. Was that specifically for Brittany? Like, did you Brittany? start? Yeah, that was for Brittany. Me and Michaela Shiloh. Um, wrote that song, uh, Mickey Shiloh and Rodney. Um, I'm even singing background. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm doing that. Okay, light speed, doorbell. And here are all of the vocals added together. And this is the one you hear on the released version. Okay, light speed, doorbell, to get to me. And this was when we talk about the genius of vocal production. Many people may hear, you know, an acapella line and just go, oh, it's just this main artist. But that is a composition of so many of the other vocals together in different vocal takes. That, I, I'm in the back a little bit, but we, we made sure we try to sell it, Brittany. Oh, sure. <laughs> that's that part is awesome because I'm, I'm as I'm pulling up the, the femme fatale is what's so cool is on that song. It's such a good rock song. It's different. And and yeah. a, a lot of the fans, like somebody else said, whose idea was it to have Britney do that British accent? We love a British knee. What the hair? I'm standing what, what the hair? St- standing outside. I'm standing out. At that time, I was singing a lot of songs like that because I was listening to a lot of um, Beatles and stuff. So like, if I would have said like, okay, like speed. You know, it's different instead of you just see okay light speed it, it just sounds different and that's why we like added the you know the voice in there because it was just it's dope <laughs> it's musically it's cool i was gonna yeah. say musically it's cool because it's something different it's unexpected in there right yeah and you have this song that it's like like i said that some that simplicity that complexity because there are so many different layers and different things happening yeah but yeah. but it's not so overwhelming that it just right. is too much Right, yeah. At what point did you know that that was going to be included on something? Well, well, when Brittany cut it, I knew that was a great sign. <laughs> I didn't know where it was going to be. I, I honestly wish it was on the, the full album, not just the deluxe album, but I was still very, very blessed because it's Britney Spears. And that was like a major goal for me too at that time to get Britney. <laughs> We talked a little bit about the Britney thing with Femme Fatale. So the cool thing yeah. is you knew something good was happening because she yes. recorded it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it's the waiting game because that album, she cuts it around the same time Janet did Make Me, which is fall 2009. But the Femme Fatale album doesn't come out until spring of 2011. So there's a lot oh. of waiting. And then there's a lot of waiting. 
Did you you find out? Oh, here's the standard edition of the album. Yeah, wait. Deluxe. And it's <laughs> different. It doesn't sell with the regular one. And the deluxe is based off of a different percentage. So it's even less. <laughs> that was and then it wasn't uh, a single. So well, and that was something I talked to Casey Livingston, who wrote Scary, which is Ooh. the Japanese bonus track where okay. she's like <laughs> Japan it's just she's like I and there's a lot of people that love that the Femme Fatale yeah. album what I think is great is from top to bottom everyone every fan every listener that's asked me about that and comment says that is Britney Spears most polished production album yeah. from top to bottom I agree when you listen to Don't Keep Me Waiting how do you feel about it now looking back 10 years later how do you as the artist in there feel you know revisiting the song um i love this song i love this song much more now it's like i was just such in this like goal mode you know once you're done with it you move on you don't really listen to it but you know um i'm more thankful now than i was then to to be able to work with britney you know at that time and she was she came in and did it and left. <laughs> you know, she's she's pretty quick. She gave about 30 takes all the way through, then that's it. So, you know, she's she's one of a kind for sure. And how does that feel when you on the, the production end of it hear the vocals from Janet and Brittany doing your songs? Like how did that how was that moment for you? That was crazy. That was really crazy, uh, especially for me and Janet because you know I try to sing like her and then when I heard her voice it was kind of hard to see which one of us is singing (laughs) (laughs) so I thought I thought that was cool but with the Britney Mickey Shiloh sounded a lot like Britney so she did the demos for Britney and then I did the demos for Janet because I, I, I tried to sound like Janet and what's cool is that your voice like when you just did that little sneak peek of that that Britney stuff I was like I yeah. hear it because you can tell there's different tones in there. Mm-hmm. And you heard my tone. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's what I was like. But this is the cool thing is because my ears now, I'm able to separate out and appreciate the different levels. Mm. Many people think, oh, it's just, it's only one vocal all the way, all the way through. There's no bad. And it's like, no, you want that fuller sound, but you yeah. want to make it seem like it's not that, like that simple complexity. So yeah. now let's, 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 Hop back to Janet. Let's talk about this album. Dun, 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 dun. Mm. Unbreakable. Yay. Janet Jackson fans and Britney Spears fans, scroll through the episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and check out the other songs where we deep dive into Janet Jackson's Unbreakable album, Love I Love, and so many Britney Spears songs. And if you have friends, family, close loved ones, chosen family, who love either of these artists, let them know and check out the other episodes. And don't forget to rate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you so much. My name is James Rodriguez. Join me on Instagram, thought.original.doll. See you on the flip side. The original doll.